The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. I want to introduce myself to you. My name is Elisa. I want to staff with the Minneapolis region of Campus Outreach. Uh, I went to the University of Minnesota and I studied psychology and music. Um, and then was on staff at St. Cloud State for a few years. And um, yeah, over the last seven or eight years, have worked at CO at a couple different roles. Um, I also want to show you a picture of my family. Um, so this is my family. I'm a middle child. I have an older sister named Krista, a younger brother, Andrew and his wife Hannah, and those are my parents. Um, I grew up in Minnesota, um, living with him. Um, as you can see, my sister Krista has a disability. She was born um, with some defects in her bones and um, some cognitive delays. And so I wish that I had more time today to tell you more about her and her life and um, just the suffering that she's faced with a long-term disability and how that's affected my family and my story and testimony because I think so much of what I have learned about suffering and what I, how I've come to have in suffering is really shaped by um, my sister and her family. So anyway, that's them. Um, as we dive in here, I just want to say I have felt so uh, aware. Oh, one last thing to tell you about myself. Um, I work with CO, but I'm also a mental health counselor. Um, a couple years ago, I went back to grad school and got a degree in clinical counseling. Um, so now I'm back in Minnesota and I get to work at a clinic in the Minneapolis area, um, just walking alongside people who are suffering in different ways. Um, and I really love that work. Um, I feel like I love learning and doing training on mental health struggles and emotional um, struggles and learning a lot about trauma and the way that trauma is, the, the experiences that you face in your life, how that affects your brain and your body and your soul. So I love trainings like that. Um, but I also have learned so much just from sitting with my clients and learning from people who are walking through suffering. And I feel like that is, it blesses me to learn from them. So it feels like a privilege to do that work. Um, so I just want to say um, that I have felt so aware in preparing for this time together that um, I obviously don't know most of you in this room and I don't know all of your stories, but I I know that each of you probably are carrying into this room um, your own painful experiences, your own unique, particular stories of suffering, whatever that has looked like. In your life, whether that's something in your past that has been really difficult, and we've already heard a couple of testimonies of really deeply painful experiences, um, or if it's something even like now that you're enduring. I mean, all of us for the last couple of years, when multiple different individuals have um, suffered and have gone through really difficult things. So, um, whatever your specific story looks like, uh, none of us escape the reality of living in a broken world where we suffer. Um, and I'm aware that we can't cover this topic of suffering without there being some emotion involved, because suffering hurts. <laughs> so suffering isn't just um, like an idea or concept to talk about. Suffering is an experience that is painful. Um, so we could spend all day or this next hour talking about sort of the theology of suffering and good questions about suffering at sort of an intellectual level. I think there's value in that. There's all kinds of resources if you're interested in engaging with that. 
Um, but that's not really my aim for this time. I think what I've been hoping for is that you'd be willing to um, spend the next few minutes really engaging with this topic at a heart level, really bringing your whole self here. Um, and I know that you've been taking in a lot of information over the last 24 hours, so it'd be really easy to just kind of be here in thinking mode, like take some notes, leave us some information. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to do to try to help us all engage at a heart level, um, first of all, probably most of you have already done this, but I want you to have um, your notebook or maybe you're just using your phone where you can write notes in your phone. I want you to have some way of writing things down as we go. Um, and obviously you can feel free to take notes on what I'm saying on this talk, but what I really want you to do is to take notes on yourself. So what I mean by that is as you listen, as I'm talking about something, um, I want you to be observing yourself. I want you to write down the thoughts, the emotions, the questions, um, if there are any memories or stories or images from your life that pop up, any even physical reactions, like our bodies respond because we're listening and processing information. So even any physical reactions that you notice in yourself, I just want you to be really observant and um, write those things down as we go. And I'll have multiple points where we're going to pause and I'll ask you to reflect on some things and write this down. But I just, I'm asking this because I think these are really valuable guides for further processing. We'll talk more about that at the end. Um, so, um, I just want to set the expectation. I will not be able to give you all the answers on suffering. You might have a lot of really great questions about suffering, and I promise that I won't be able to answer all of your questions. Um, but what I do want to do in the next few minutes is give you a pair of glasses, and here's what I mean by that. Um, I am the only person in my family who didn't end up needing glasses somehow. Like my grandparents, my parents, my siblings, everybody has needed glasses since the time they were little. Um, when I was little, an eye doctor told me that my, my eyesight was so good that I could be a fighter pilot if I wanted. That's a um, requirement. So um, somehow I don't need glasses, but you know how you always want what you don't have. And so I've always thought, I still think that glasses are so cool. Like that people look so smart and so stylish wearing glasses. Um, so I remember one time when I was little and uh, my mom had just left her glasses like on the bathroom counter. And I was like, oh, we'll just try this on and see what I look like with some glasses on. And I was shocked that when I put on the glasses, the prescription was so strong, like it was so different than what my eyes needed that I was essentially blinded by the glasses. Like I couldn't even see myself straight in the mirror to see what I looked like because the prescription was wrong for my eyes. I think that our beliefs are like glasses that we put on. Um, what you think about God, what you know about God, is like a lens that profoundly affects the way that you see the world, the way you make sense of your circumstances, the way that you uh, make sense of your own heart. Um, so while I can't give you all the answers on something, I do want to offer the Bible, God's Word, as the right prescription, um, the right lens to make sense of believe that the lens that God gives us in his word is really the only lens that can help us to make sense of our pain and that can help us to navigate um, living in a broken world with true hope. So that's that's where we're going. Um, I want to talk about, I just have three points for us. And so I'm going to talk about through this lens of the Bible, what does the Bible um, tell us to do with suffering? Um, so I'm going to talk about three things. Um, First is that we need to learn to lament. Um, lament is one of those 
Have you Christian words? Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't used it a lot, but I think there's it can be confusing what it really means to lament. Um, so lament is a passionate expression of sorrow. Um, lament means allowing yourself to feel sorrow, to feel sad, and then expressing that sorrow to God. Um, so lament isn't an emotion in itself. Lament, uh, emotions like loneliness or sadness or disappointment or grief, those are emotions. Lament is an action. Lament is what we do with that emotion. Um, lament is sort of the knee-jerk, authentic, genuine reaction to suffering, not like the edited version that's sort of cleaned up. Um, lament is choosing to pour out your heart to God and speaking really candidly to God. So I want to pause here. Like I promised, we're going to pause and try to engage our whole selves in this. I want to pause. I'm going to ask you to reflect on these things just for a minute. So pull out your notebooks. And I just want you to um, maybe even think about a specific time that you face something difficult. Maybe it's something that feels hard right now, or maybe it's something from your past. But I want you to think about when you have been hurting, what are some of the emotions that come up? What are some of the emotions that you feel? Just notice that for a minute and jot those down. As you're doing that, I want you to start thinking, what are the thoughts or questions you have about God when you're hurting? It's really normal to have questions about God when you're hurting. So what are some of those thoughts or questions? And then what would it be like for you to be totally candid with God about those emotions you just wrote down, about those questions that come up? What would it be like to be totally candid, unedited, and pouring your heart out to God? God welcomes, I'm going to keep going, but you can take pictures of this or whatever would help you if you'd like to come back to any of these questions later. Um, God welcomes lament. Um, it is all over the Bible. I wish I could find where I heard this quote, but I heard someone say once, if you um, page through the Bible and try to rip out all of the pages that have something to say about suffering or hardship, um, there would be barely anything left in this book. Because God, I think, purposely has included stories in here. If you've read parts of the Bible, you probably noticed he's included stories of disease, of murder, racism, violence, injustice, betrayal, poverty, death. Like, there's some really hard, dark stories in the Bible. And I think God has included these to show, first of all, he's aware of the brokenness of this world. Um, and the Bible is just such a relatable book. Like when you're feeling the brokenness of those things, when you're suffering, um, we have a place to turn um, to see where where we can turn for help. Um, so 
God welcomes your lament. You welcome honesty with these emotions and these questions. Um, but I'll be honest that lament is hard um, because it requires you to speak your heartache to God instead of stuffing it in. Um, if you're like me or like most people, we don't really like to sit with our pain. We don't like to be in pain. Um, and so it's normal to try to distract ourselves or to try to escape somehow from the pain that we feel. Um, so we're going to pause and reflect again. I want you to just think for a minute about when you're hurting, how do you tend to distract yourself or escape? What are your sort of personal strategies for distracting and escaping? Come to mind. We all have these strategies, so I'm not um, shaming you or trying to call you out by acknowledging this. Um, I mentioned that I was a counselor, and all counselors or psychologists um, would agree that although it makes sense that we sort of find these ways of coping with pain that maybe make things feel better like, for a minute. Um, Psychologists and counselors would agree that it's really healthiest, or we're healthiest as humans when we learn to engage and express our emotions instead of stuffing them or distracting or escaping from them. Um, and I think, I mean, I view emotions as such a gift from God. Like, God literally wired our brains and our bodies and our hearts to feel things for good reasons. So, our emotions are meant to be um, felt and engaged with. And God gives us a way of expressing and working through our pain instead of escaping it, and that's limit. Um, the Bible gives us permission to feel all of these sort of negative, <laughs> harder emotions. Um, depending on kind of what your background is, or if you grew up in a Christian background, or even how your family treats emotions, I think it's so normal that most of us have a sense that there are certain emotions that sort of aren't allowed. Like, we're not allowed to be angry. We're not allowed to be sad. We're not allowed to be depressed or anxious or um, whatever, fill in the blank with whatever the emotion is that you feel like. I'm not really allowed to honestly express this. But the Bible gives you permission to feel those things. Um, if you've never read the Psalms, go read the Psalms. Put on the glasses to read the Psalms to the lens of this is a model for us of what it looks like to feel the whole range of emotions and express them to God, um, or even just go read the Gospels and see how Jesus himself expresses all kinds of emotions, including anger and grief and fear and sorrow, um, and how he expresses often these things to his Father. Um, so lament is hard, because none of us like to sit in our pain, and it requires you to engage in your and to express it to God. But lament is also so beautiful. I think the longer that I walk with God, the more convinced I feel that lament is such a gift, and it's so beautiful um, because it allows us to stay close to God no matter what we're feeling. Um, I want you to think about maybe the last time that you got emotional in front of someone or like started crying, or the last time maybe you saw someone else start crying in public. And what's the first thing that we tend to say when we get emotional in front of people? 
Yes, exactly. I literally, I was just watching a Hallmark Christmas movie with my family a few days ago, and a character on the movie, like, started crying and was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm fine. And I was like, it's so funny that we even react, reenact that um, on movies. Um, and I think it's because when we're hurting, we feel so vulnerable. Um, and so we have this shape around just honestly showing our weakness to others. And I don't know if that's an American thing or just a human thing, but um, the problem with that is that it leaves us so alone and isolated with our pain. Like, I wonder how many of you, when you start to feel something, get alone with it. Like, go to your room to cry. <laughs> go to the bathroom to cry. Like, stuff it down and don't let on or don't let anyone else know how bad it really hurts inside. Um, and this is why I think lament is so beautiful, because God's invitation to be honest with him and to lament everything that's happening inside of us, it shows us something about his heart, that he wants to be with us in our pain. Um, you don't have to wonder. You may feel embarrassed crying in front of others, but you don't have to wonder how God will respond and react to you when you're hurting. Um, there's so many places that we can go in the Bible to see um, examples of how God responds when we're hurting, but I just want to give you a really simple verse from Psalm 56. Um, in this psalm, David, the author, is pouring out his heart to God, as so many of the psalms do, talking about his hardships. And then he says this about God. He says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. As David is pouring out his heart, he stops to remind himself something about God's heart, about God's character. And I love imagery like this because imagery sort of helps us to experience something and take it in in a different way. And this is an image of God literally being so close in our sorrow that he could catch our tears. Like, this is not an image of a God who is like awkwardly patting us on the back when we're crying because he doesn't really know how to respond, or a God who's like, Stop crying. Get yourself together. Um, this is an image of a God who is right there with you, who even himself knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus Jesus took on human suffering and is so near um, that he could catch your tears. Um, there is no shame in carrying your struggles to God. I think asking God deeply emotional, personal, gritty, raw, questions is really a beautiful act of faith. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, and it keeps you in relationship with him. It keeps you honest with him, even when you're struggling to trust him, which is why lament is so beautiful. Um, I think the devil would love to get in the way of this. Like, he would love to isolate you, to make you feel like you need to be alone with what you're doing. He would love um, to plant seeds of suspicion about God, like those questions maybe that you wrote down about, like, Good. Does he hear me? Why is this happening to me? Is he in control? Those are good questions that you can just ask God himself. Right? Keep asking. But the devil would love to plant the seed that God's not safe to ask those questions. Um, he's not really for you. And if you feel like you can't go to God, then the devil has um, has isolated you with your pain and disconnected you from God. So I'm I'm telling you. Um, God welcomes it. Bring it all to Him. Let your your questions, your emotions, your doubts, your struggles drive you toward Him instead of away from Him, because He is the safest place to run. So the Bible teaches us when we're going to learn to lament 
Um, it also teaches us to learn to listen. Um, so suffering is definitely an opportunity to pour out your heart before God. But it's also a really good time to tune into what he has to say to you. Um, so again, I'm talking about the Bible view. And um, as we talk about learning to listen, first I think we need to listen for the truth about who God is. Um, I've told you how important it is to engage your emotions. And um, I do believe that being honest with our emotions, like I've been talking about, helps us to connect with God authentically and genuinely. Um, but as much as emotions are so valuable, they aren't the truth, the ultimate truth. Um, they are real, they are valid, they're given to you by God. Um, but you can't depend on your emotions to always tell the truth about God. Um, so where do you go when life doesn't make sense, when you're hurting and you need something solid to stand on? You open up your Bible and you read. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday. I was delayed at the airport, so I was listening to a podcast um, with Jackie Hill Perry, which if you don't follow her, you should follow her somewhere because she has so many helpful things to say on so many topics. But um, she was talking about God's word and saying, because of God's character, um, he cannot lie. So every word that is spoken in this book is true. There are no lies here. Um, he only speaks what is true. Um, so this is the best place for you to go when you need answers. When you face suffering, you're going to need spiritual nourishment. Like, we all know that if our body is sick with something, hopefully you all know that you should, like, drink more water, get more sleep, eat healthy food. Like, you're, you're doing what's best for your body to nourish it and help it be healthy again. And when you face suffering, you need spiritual nourishment. You need to know um, where joy comes from. You need to remember the source of satisfaction peace. You need to know where your identity is. Um, you need to know that you're never alone. You need to hear God's promises to you to nourish your soul to heal from the suffering that you're facing. Um, so learn to read your Bible. And I'm not saying that in a way of like so that you can check it off the list or be a good person. I'm saying learn to read your Bible to get to know God. Because um, I promise that if you open this book and read it, um, you will find a God who is powerful, who is gentle, who is wise, who is in control, who is near you, who is trustworthy, who is good, um, who is a father's heart, who is for his children, with his children. Like You will find a God um, in this book who has revealed himself to us so we can know him. Um, so if you feel like you're not really sure how to go about that, like how to go about opening your Bible and reading it, or where to start, or how to study it more deeply, talk to someone that you came here with. Talk to a staff person. Um, they would love to help you learn to read your Bible to mind the depths. Um, and maybe maybe you're not suffering right now, or you haven't faced a ton of suffering in your life at this point, um, but absorbing these truths from the Bible is preparing you for future suffering, because remember... Um, none of us escape the reality of living in a broken world. So absorb these things. Don't be tossed around without an anchor when the storm comes. Um, drop your anchor down deep into the Word of God to find what is true. So learn to listen for the truth about who God is. Uh, but we also need to learn to listen for the truth about who we are. 
These are some pictures from, um, actually pictures that my dad took this last summer in the Boundary Waters. The Boundary Waters is a beautiful wilderness area in northern Minnesota. Um, I love being outside and being in nature, so I went with my dad and my brother. Um, and basically what you do in the Boundary Waters, it's like a ton of lakes that are all connected to each other. So you basically pack everything that you need in your canoe, you take off, you paddle for a day, and then you stop at the shore and you um, pitch a tent and build a campfire and stay for the night. And then the next day you keep going and you just kind of make a big loop through the lakes. And it's so, so peaceful and beautiful. As you can see, the water is just so clear and it reflects everything around it. It's so beautiful. Um, but under the water, when you are like getting out of your canoe, um, usually what happens is when you go to get out, either your, your feet hit slimy, slippery rocks at the bottom um, that are like covered in that green whatever it is on the rocks, um, or sometimes your feet kind of disappear into like gooey muck at the bottom. Um, and sometimes, there was one time this last summer where we had gotten out, put our feet in the water, and then we got out, and a couple minutes later realized there were leeches that had attached themselves all over our feet, so we had to sit and like, pull all these leeches off our feet. So, um, but the Bible teaches that our hearts are kind of like this lake. The truth about who we are is that we, as humans, every single one of us, carries both dignity and depravity. Um, so what I mean is that we have this dignity of like, there are beautiful longings, like the beauty in these photos, there are beautiful longings that come from our hearts, longings for connection, for joy, for purpose, and that's because you were created by God. Like whether you even are trusting in Jesus right now or not, you are created by God, and the Bible calls you an image bearer of God, meaning you reflect like that, like you reflect the beauty of God just by being you, just by um, existing. And the Bible teaches that we have depravity. We have this dark side, this, the mud hiding under the lake. Um, this heart, or the Bible calls it our flesh, that is selfish, that's foolish, that's resistant to God. Um, so we have this, this dignity and depravity. Um, we image God and we reject God. And suffering, I think it, suffering in a lot of ways can... Um, uh, expose some of the beautiful longings in our hearts, but in my experience, suffering also seems to expose and really shake up a lot of the muck, a lot of the um, sin in my heart. Um, so when you're hurting, I want you to learn to listen for God's conviction. Um, again, from this, the podcast um, with Jackie Hilfiri that I was listening to, I want to read you a quote, but she's like, I thought it was so helpful about conviction. She says, God's conviction is never for shame. Embrace it, because God is showing you something else that's keeping you from knowing and imaging Him. Repentance means you're giving up something to God so He can fill you with more of Himself. Conviction is a mercy. Um, and the Bible agrees. Uh, the Bible says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. It says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So conviction, learning to listen to the Spirit when it's like convicting you, um, that is for your good. And here's how this connects to suffering. Um, I'm not saying that you're suffering because you have sinned. Like that that you have sinned and therefore God's punishing you with some kind of suffering in your life. Um, but what I am saying is that suffering um, affects, or that sin affects the way we handle our suffering. 
um, that suffering exposes and shakes up a lot of the sin that was already there. Um, so again, you have to pause for a little while. So I'm going to pause us here to reflect. Um, I just have a whole bunch of questions on here to think about. When you're hurting, have you ever become aware that you're relying on yourself and not God? Have you ever considered that your demand to be in control of your life is making your pain feel worse? Have you ever recognized that maybe you were devastated by the loss of a good thing because you were worshiping or trusting in it more fully than God? Have you ever noticed bitterness, fear, doubt, entitlement, resentment, temptation, distrust, growing in you unchecked? We talked about how lament is like choosing to, to express and engage those things with God. Um, that is really healthy. This is like, are you allowing it to fester, <laughs> like to grow in your heart? I just want you to pause and look at that and see what stands out if you resonate with any of those things in your experience when you face difficulty, has any of this been kind of stirred up or exposed? Um, if you resonate with any of those things, what do you do? Um, well, just like lament is acknowledging pain inside and then turning to God with it, um, repentance is just acknowledging the sin inside and turning to God with it. Um, Jesus' death guarantees that you will always be met with forgiveness. Just like I told you, you never have to have shame in going to God with the questions and your emotions, whatever they are, because he's for you. Um, and the same is true. You never have to have to be afraid of how God is going to respond when you're trusting in Jesus. His death and resurrection guarantee that you will always be met with forgiveness. So if you want to go um, to the next slide, I just want to read this. such a simple verse. It just says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think what I love about that verse is like just a little phrase, like just confess your sin. And then it's like he's just so eager. Like he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive you, he'll cleanse you. Um, so I just imagine God's eagerness for us to come and to repent, to turn away from self when these things are exposed by suffering and then to bring it to him. Um, I wasn't sure if I'd have time for this, but I want to just share briefly that I think this is such a big part of even my own testimony. Um, I mentioned with my sister's disability that my family, she was, had, from the time she was born, so many medical needs and emergencies, and um, I I grew up definitely with kind of a, no one ever said this, but I grew up with a sense that um, my needs just didn't really matter. Like, if there was always a bigger need or a more urgent need, um, in the family, um, I grew up feeling anxious a lot about like the scary, stressful things that were happening in the house. Um, grew up feeling pretty isolated. There were lots of things my family just like, didn't get to do because it was too hard with her physical needs, or even she would get stared at a lot because of how different her face looks. So it was just kind of hard for a family to go out in public. So felt isolated and alone a lot, or just frustrated that I had 
caregiving responsibilities um, as a sibling that most other kids my age didn't have. And so when I think back to myself, especially as a kid, um, I think I was hurting a lot. Like that felt really painful and I was hurting with those things. But um, right alongside that valid pain and hurt that I was feeling, there was um, a lot of anger that was growing in my heart. Like I look back at myself and feel like people outside probably would perceive me as an angry child, but like there was just this like jealousy and resentment and anger. I don't think I would have said this, but anger at God for like letting these things happen in our family and um, for letting me hurt in the ways that I was. And the anger would come out sideways onto people, especially my family. Um, so there was this hurt, but there was also this um, sin that was being exposed in my heart. And um, the worst part for me of that was that uh, I grew up in a Christian home, so like I, I really wanted to be a good person. Like, I really wanted to read my Bible and go to church and be a good person and not be angry. Um, and I kept trying to fix myself, like, say, okay, I, I messed up, I'm angry again, and I would try to fix that problem with more of myself, or like trying to dig deeper to find something good in myself. Um, and it never worked. I felt like kind of a double person. And it wasn't until sometime in middle school or high school where I remember finally, um, finally recognizing that repentance wasn't about me being able to fix Repentance was turning away from myself to God um, and relying on Jesus to forgive me and to transform me and change me. Um, so I share that part of my story because I, I feel so um, thankful now. And I think um, a lot of people in my family would say so thankful, not specifically like for the pain itself. Like, I can't wait for the day when my sister. Um, doesn't have a disability anymore, and when my family doesn't um, deal with the effects of that, and there's still things I feel like I have to work through in my own life, of ways that that suffering in my childhood like affects me in hard ways now. Um, so I don't, I'm not thankful for the pain itself, but I'm really grateful that God used suffering in my life to expose a self-reliance um, that was a much bigger problem than the pain and bring me to rely on him. So, um, so all that to say, it's just a little bit of my story, but when you suffer, learn to limit. Let your emotions and your questions come to the surface and relate them to God, but also let God expose your flesh. Listen for um, the Spirit's conviction in your heart. Let him transform you as you suffer. Um, let him expose your self-reliance and your idols and your desire control because God is committed to not only making you more whole, but making you more holy. And I think he often uses suffering to do that because he loves you. So we talked about learning to lament, um, learning to listen. And the last thing I want to talk about is just learning to hope. Um, so uh, how many of you have been to Disney World before? Okay, so I had never gone to Disney World as a child. My parents hate crowds of people, so that was like the last place we ever would have gone. Um, but when I went to grad school a couple years ago, I lived in Orlando, Florida. Um, I only went once to Disney because I was on a grad school budget, but I went um, one time with one of my best friends who's like a Disney fanatic. She loves Disney so much. Um, so we went one day, and we were determined to get the most out of that ticket we had. Like, we went at the crack of dawn, we stayed until midnight or whatever, they shut the place down. Um, 
And as you can imagine, by probably like mid-afternoon, we were exhausted. Like we, it is so hot in Florida, and so you're sweating, and you're in line for hours. You're like standing and walking the whole day. Our feet had blisters. I, I don't, I still don't know what bug it was, but there was some bug in Florida that I'm very allergic to because when it would bite me, it was always on my ankles and feet. It would get really swollen, and get I would get these welts, and then they would start freezing. Like it was so gross and really, really painful. Um, and I got those that day at Disney. So we were kind of miserable by afternoon. And um, I remember by the time it was dark, we were like limping from ride to ride. Like we must have looked so um, pathetic, but we were like going to get the most out of that ticket. Um, so we lost track of time. All of a sudden, it's like 9 p.m. or whatever time the fireworks show goes off. So you go the next day. If you've been to Disney, you've seen the light show, the fireworks show. Um, so we lost track of time, all of a sudden it's time for the light show that we have to go see, and we're like on the opposite side of the park. Um, and I'll never forget, like, the music started, and we realized what time it was, here we are, we beat our way around, and when we realized, like, the fireworks are about to start, my friend and I looked at each other, and it was like we were filled with this, like, fresh energy that we did not felt for hours, and we, like, sprinted across the park to get to the fireworks, and... Um, when we got there, I mean, I've never been to Disney before, I'd never been as a kid. I felt like a child watching this show. Like, I was just so in awe. Like, the lights are all going, and there's beautiful music, and they're like, all these nostalgic, like, voices and characters, and they're telling you to follow your heart, and it was just like, so beautiful. Um, and we completely forgot about all the sweat, all of the long lines, and the blisters, and the bug nights. Because we were swept up in this like beautiful, magical experience. And I think that is just a tiny glimpse of what hope is like. Um, when we were looking forward to this fireworks show, it gave us fresh strength to like run. It gave us fresh strength when we thought we had nothing left. Um, and if you are trusting in Jesus, you have hope to look forward to. Like, Jesus has promised to come back. This broken world that none of us can escape is not the end of the story. Jesus has promised he will come back again. He will perfect and restore everything. There won't be any more tears to cry. We won't have to lament anyone to God. We won't have to rely on a book to know him. We'll be with him face to face, like a veil um, that's removed. We won't have any more sin to be shaken up and exposed in us. We will be perfect and able to worship him perfectly. Um, so Jesus promises to come back, and Disney obviously just pales in comparison um, to heaven. So I want to read these verses that are so beautiful to me. From 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, it says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, like we were at Disney, <laughs> wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So these verses acknowledge that uh, suffering hurts. Suffering makes you want to lose heart. Suffering feels like you are wasting away. <laughs> it's just real. Um, 
Whether you're hurting physically, whether you're hurting emotionally, mentally, relationally, um, pain naturally draws all of our attention to itself. You know, like I've had some back pain as I'm getting older, and it's like when I'm trying to fall asleep, all I can think about is how my back hurts. Because it's like whatever where the pain is, that's where our attention is naturally drawn to. And that's okay, that's natural. I've talked about how it's good for us to notice and engage that pain, to start there. But if you live your life only focused on what hurts, I promise that you will lose heart. Maybe you felt that before, you've experienced that, losing heart, because all you can feel is the pain that you're facing. Um, this world will only feel broken and never beautiful if you um, only pay attention to the pain in your life. So I'm not saying that you stuff it away, that you minimize it, that you pretend the pain isn't real. There's room for both to be true, that you can acknowledge the pain. And um, says here that we can be renewed day by day, that our inner self, like when we got this fresh strength, it's not that our blisters and our bug bites like suddenly went away, and that's why we were able to run. It's just that we were looking forward to something amazing, something beautiful, and it gave us strength to carry on. Um, so it takes work to draw our eyes away from our pain and up to something bigger, something more beautiful, something more glorious, something more lasting. Um, but I think that's what hope is about, is drawing attention from your pain um, and looking up, looking at the glory um, that is waiting for us. So this is the last thing that we're going to pause and reflect on. Um, I just want you to think for a minute, where, where do you find hope when you're hurting? How would your suffering feel different if you could fix your gaze on the glory God is preparing for you? So like I said, that's the last um, reflection question I have for you. We talked about learning in our pain, learning to lament, learning to listen, learning to hope. Um, I hope that you were able to, to, that maybe even just one of these reflection questions sparked something for you and was helpful. Um, I really mean it when I say that I think it's so important to engage your thoughts, your feelings, the questions that emerge. And I really hope that you won't stay alone with whatever it is you've written down. Um, I hope you won't stay alone with that. I hope that you'll talk to someone else who came to this talk with you and kind of share, like, what are some of the things that came up as we engage this? Um, maybe it's a staff person or someone you're rooming with. Um, I would love to talk to any of you, not that I have all the answers, but if any of you just want someone to process with, if there are questions or things that came up, um, I'll stick around for a little bit after this, or if you just want to catch me at any point, I really, I really mean that. Like, I would really love to get to know any of you, just hear what you're processing from this, and right alongside you, processing all of these things for myself. Um, so I really would encourage you not to just leave these notes here, um, but keep engaging your heart with these questions and engaging with these things. So as we close, um, 
I've said a few times, suffering is inescapable. Um, suffering is the only thing that we're guaranteed in this life. Um, and some of you have already faced some really incredible pain. Um, for some of you, that may be in the future. Um, but God's word, remember the glasses that we put on at the beginning, God's word gives us the only lens that will help you to navigate um, this broken world. So my prayer for you as we go from here is just that when you suffer, when you are in pain, and when I say suffer, that could be like the really big stuff or like just the thing that happened today that felt When you, um, when something hurts, my prayer for you is just um, coming away from this that you would feel that you can share everything with God because he's for you, because he's with you, he's there to catch your tears. Prayers that you would listen, learn to listen to God's voice and trust his word above all else. Um, and my prayer is that you learn to hope that um, whatever you're going through, you learn to look up and to remember God's promised restoration for you and your trust in Jesus. So um, let me pray for that for us and then we'll be done. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have um, given us a place to turn in our pain. And um, you know the pain that's in this room so much better than I could. And, um, you know each of us individually and the stories that you have for us, the, the pain that you've asked us to face in our lives or will ask us to face. And so I pray that um, for each person here, whatever this looks like for them, God, that you convince them, convince us that um, that we can run to you. Convince us of your goodness, that we would um, come to you first. Help us to listen to your word. Help us to know you there, to be consistent, even as we leave here and go back back to school, back on campus. Help us to keep opening your word, to keep getting to know you, to keep listening to the truth about who you are and who we are. Um, and I pray that you would fill us with hope. Hope does feel like a miracle um, when we look around at the brokenness inside of us and around us. So God, I pray you do that miracle in our hearts and fill us. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.